This episode has been sponsored by Crossway, the publishers of the ESV Prayer Journal that's been a real gift of encouragement to me over the last few months. Within its pages are explorations into six key passages over six weeks that draw out the heart of the gospel. There's space to annotate and journal alongside, and Ruth Jar Simons has done some beautifully meaningful artwork to go alongside. I wondered whether I'd find it a bit dry, but nothing could be further from the truth. The more I've gone on, the more I've been reminded of how limitless and beautiful the gospel is and how necessary it is to be dwelling on and shaped by this most precious good news each day. It would make the perfect gift for a new Christian as it takes you through some of the big gospel words like justification and sanctification. But as I found, it's no less beneficial to someone who's been walking the Christian life for a while. Pick it up wherever you get your books. Welcome to Two Sisters and a Cup of Tea. My name is Felicity. I'm here in the States. I'm here with my sister, Sarah. We have a special guest with us, Andrew Satch. And today we're going to be digging into our next bit, chapter four of First Thessalonians. But we're also going to be thinking a bit more about these Bible handling tools that we've been talking about all through this season. Welcome, Andrew. Great to have you with us. Thank you for being here. Hello. Nice to meet you all. Just, just tell us a little about where you are, who you are, you know, what, how you spend your time. So my fun fact is I live in Greenwich in London, southeast London, um, and actually the zero degree longitude line goes through Greenwich and actually through my house. So some days I wake Ooh. up in the eastern hemisphere and some days on the western hemisphere. <laughs> wow, that, that, is, that is very particular. Fact. Um, yeah, tourists stand outside to photograph themselves on the line and then <laughs> it goes through my living room. Brilliant. I'm a pastor of a church plant called Grace Church Greenwich. We're seven years old. And I'm also a tutor on the Cornhill training course, which is a course to train Bible teachers in the UK and across the world. Brilliant. And, and just on a, on a you know, very much more low key level, I know that at heart you're a coffee man. I remember you having you have various equipment to make coffee, but how do you and feel? I feel a bit uncomfortable about being on a podcast about tea. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> yeah, what is the feeling about tea? The, the kind of the lesser hot drink? Is that where we're at? Or <laughs> We've actually, our women's worker is um, of Indian origin. And so she cares very passionately about tea. And I couldn't understand why for a whole year, I, you know, I say, Fiona, would you like a cup of tea? And she said, oh, no, thanks. And anyway, <laughs> it transpired that it's because she doesn't trust me to make the tea. So <laughs> Fair. The thermos flask, like, properly made. So, yeah. Brilliant. What about biscuits, though? Have you got, you know, have you got a biscuit of choice? Oh, yeah, I certainly do. Um, I think I don't actually get them easily. I haven't eaten them for years, but Gary Baldy... Mm. biscuits i think are the best i don't know if they have those in america do they the squashed fly do they have them no not at all not at all they're on Mm. bake-off recently weren't they and uh i I had some friends talking about it and they were like what is that (laughs) yeah it's good an underrated biscuit i think but a a solid a solid choice Yeah. yeah Yeah. Well, Andrew, we've both benefited hugely from your teaching over the years, and particularly um, you've written a book called Dig Deeper that introduces the reader to various Bible handling tools. Um, And we've been showcasing one of these tools each week on uh, our season in 1 Thessalonians. Um, So we'd love to ask you, how and why did these books come about? um, And how did you come up with the tools? Can you just share a bit on that? Um, Yeah, it, it came up originally, I mean, it was years and years ago, I think, maybe the year 2000, 2001. Um, I had a, a small group at church in London with lots of students in it. And I was trying to demystify the 
the process of getting more out of the Bible. So I, I didn't want them to think, oh, my leader is an expert or the preacher on Sunday is an expert and they can magically find things in the Bible that I couldn't see myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I do think God's given the church teachers and you know it's a it's right that we we look to um, mature leaders to teach us but there's also a sense to which the Bible is for everyone every Christian and there's nothing magic that the seminary student does or the preacher does that in principle every Christian can't learn to do so it was it, the idea was that rather than us just saying here's this special meaning and they thought okay I trust you because you're the leader it was, let me show you how I got there. Let me show you how you could get there yourself. Um, let me give you some tools so that just by reading the Bible a bit more closely, you can find more. And I think that's the conviction. They're not they're not tools to unlock a secret meaning. They're just tools to help you look further and see more. So, you know, a child in Sunday school who loves the Lord Jesus can read a passage of the Bible and understand it. And um, an adult who's been a Christian for 30 years, who looks even more closely at the Bible, can just see more treasure um, in a passage they know well. And it's just it's just meant to be a stimulus to to read more carefully and to notice mm. a bit more. That's all. Mm. Well, it's so it's so helpful. And even just having that perspective of that, actually, as we as we read more closely and and therefore we see more. I think that's such a helpful thing and that it's not magic. It is just what we have in front of us and then being able to access it a bit more so you've written you've written this book and there's there's a couple there are there three books there's one where you dig into there's a general one then there's one that you dig into mark and exodus is it that's yeah the, the titles aren't very clear actually so dig <laughs> is the original one which sets out the tools there's one called dig even deeper which isn't actually about digging any deeper <laughs> but it's actually a book about exodus which you wouldn't guess from the title but it, <laughs> it's basically taking the tools and because we thought it's one thing to just pick your you know, you look, for example, one of the tools is context and you can pick a passage where the context makes a massive difference to what the text means. And you can showcase, you know, the best possible example of each thing in the Bible. But then Christians think, yeah, OK, but what about if I'm just reading through a whole book? Like, how do I know which, which tool to use when? And it's mm-hmm. a bit messier. And maybe you just chose an ideal example, but mm-hmm. They yeah. really it was a bit more complicated. So we thought, well, let's just go through a whole book of the Bible using tools as and when they're useful. So we did it for Exodus and we did it for Mark's Gospel. Yeah. And God Great. willing, we're going to do it for one and two kings. Oh, wow. Great. Nice. But not only is it just books, we have thespian Andrew Satch in videos <laughs> <laughs> helping us. Tell, tell us about the videos. Uh, well... <laughs> This was a lockdown thing. I don't know what you did with your lockdown. People learned to make makes <laughs> nowadays. And I persuaded my friend Ben, he's a video maker, to, I mean, he had no work because, you know, they're not, they weren't filming any Netflix, HBO sort of series. <laughs> I said, well, Ben, you know, you're free and you can, you know, how to use the camera. So let's do some crazy videos. And the idea was, um, yeah, they're little sort of five minute videos. Apparently you've done some that are one minute. So I'm looking forward to looking looking at <laughs> they're kind of five minutes and they start with a, a silly sketch and it's meant to be a bit fun and playful and we hope people will enjoy them and share them and then in some way the silly sketch illustrates a bible tool you can find them i'm sorry shameless plug you can find them on the website digdeeper.tools 
So apparently they brought out .tools URLs, and one of my friends said, "We've got to get this one." <laughs> <laughs> Very we'll good. We'll, we'll link those. We'll link those in the show notes for sure, so people can uh, check those out. We're going to get into our next part of One Thessalonians today. So we're looking at uh, verses, or well, chapter three, verse twelve. Um, down to 4 verse 12. So last week uh, we explained to our listeners that we actually kind of had split Paul's prayer at the end of chapter 3 um, to show that it was the kind of hinge of the book. Um, so we're going to be reading from verse 12 today. Felicity, do you want to read for us and then we'll get into it? Absolutely. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your heart so that you'll be blameless and holy in the presence of our Lord, of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honourable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Brilliant. Thank you, Felicity. Um, so as, we kind of ex- as we've been going through 1 Thessalonians, we kind of explained that this next part of the book is... Um, it, yeah, it feels like a different tone. It feels like a different part of the letter that Paul's writing. Um, Andrew, I wonder whether you can just help us to get a feel on how you would first start to get into this passage. Um, it can feel a little confusing. Um, there's definitely like a step change going on. What does it look like to get into this passage for yourself? The first thing I always do when I come to a passage of the Bible I don't know very well is just try to become familiar with it. So I just want to read it more times. And it seems so obvious, doesn't it? You think, you know, I've read it once. Why do I need to read it again? I can remember what it said. But yeah. it's it's important to read and just notice things. And I think our brains just take a while to, to get things into our heads. Ideally, I try and read the same passage on lots of days of the week. So if I'm preaching on something two weeks time, I read it every day. I'll have read it 14 times before I preach it. Mm-hmm. turns out just by reading it more times you start to understand it more so that, that's the first thing just to read it and to pray I mean it, this passage Paul begins with a prayer may the Lord make your love increase before he tells them to have their love increase so I guess that reminds us that you know it's a privilege to read a book where the author's in the room with you by his holy spirit so I'd read it I'd pray Lord help me to understand and obey these words mm-hmm. that you that you um have given me and then in terms of tools the first tool i pretty much always use is the structure tool because you know we've got a lot of verses here and we can't hold them all in our head at once so if i could kind of break it down into chunks and then try and think how the chunks might fit together that'd be my first stage Mm -hmm. Um, i sometimes say structure 
in the structure tools a bit like eating chocolate because the chocolate bar manufacturer has already decided how much chocolate you should have in one go and they've got a little groove to show you where the chocolate should break and i think the same is true of the bible like the mouthfuls are determined for you um, by the holy spirit and if we look closely we can find the breaks and it's not always the paragraph breaks it's not always the verse breaks because they were added later but where's the author sort of breaking it so just as i look at this straight away i think well it starts with a prayer and then it has instructions so that might be my first little section and um so verse 12 and um at the end of 12 and 13 end of chapter 3 is a prayer and it's a prayer interestingly for some of the same things that he then instructs them about so he prays for their love. And then in verse nine, he'll talk about their love and say, come and love each other even more. But he's prayed for it first. Um, or verse 13, it's about their holiness. And then he's going to talk in verse three about them being sanctified in their sexual behavior, sanctified, being made holy. So that's interesting. He prays for the same things he'll then tell them. Mm. Just notice that. And then. Well, maybe verse one and two is a kind of headline, how to live to please God. And then verse three to eight is about sex, particularly. And then verse um, nine to 12 is about love and practical love. Mm -hmm. So just looking very simply, I'll go, it's a prayer, a headline, and then it's sex and then it's love. And I haven't, I haven't understood loads, but I'm just kind of getting my head around it. And I'm noticing, oh, the prayer is about holiness and love and the instructions are going to be about holiness and love. So just, you know, some some bits of the passage, but how they connect to each other would be my first step. That's so helpful. And because I think sometimes I hear the structure tool and I think, oh, it sounds a bit complicated. Like, what is the structure? But even just thinking about it in that in that sense, the the, the simplicity of it, which then helps you then to kind of be able to dig in a bit deeper, doesn't it? Once you've kind of worked out that the, ne the next tool that I was um, then thinking about was the repetition tool just even in that first so the headline section versus one and two um we've had in the previous three chapters a lot of this is the gospel of God you are the people of God I, we are the messengers from God and here you seem to get this same sort of idea of the repetition there of this is how you to please God this is the authority of the Lord Jesus and then you are doing this in Jesus like kind of the, the grace field aspect of that I don't know, Sarah, yeah, any Which thoughts? Makes, well, it makes all the more sense, doesn't it, that he prays first for that, doesn't it? Because it is, it is the work of God, isn't it? And the end of the letter, he talks about the God who is going to be faithful to do it in them. Um, but, mm. yeah, I was really struck with how much God is mentioned. How, all the way through the letter we've been talking about, that, haven't we, so far? But particularly in this, it is God's will. Um, it's the Lord, it's God, it's the Holy Spirit who's um, be given to you. In, yeah in so many ways um you're not you're not apart from the lord as you strive for holiness yeah well, i noticed that with repetition as well the lord so in verse 12 may the lord make your love increase in verse 13 when the lord jesus comes and then four verse one we urge you in the lord jesus um and then in verse six the lord will punish and i i mean obviously jesus is the lord jesus but sometimes it's just called jesus in the bible but the lord jesus it's it's reminding us that he is our master and it's kind of yeah the lord will punish i don't often think of jesus as the judge mm -hmm. yeah. here it's him as the, yeah and then i suppose, and then you get in the presence of god our father verse um, 13 and then you get 
whoever um, does this grieves the Holy Spirit. So you've it's actually really Trinitarian. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it reminds me. I feel like the authority then that kind of authoritative, like this is under under the Lord. Do this because of who you are. Do this. It kind of takes me back to um, in uh, two verse twelve encouraging comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory and then this seems to be a kind of almost an outworking of what it is to be in that kingdom under the authority of God which then really helps I think when we because I think when I read this passage to begin with you kind of think oh it's sex how are we gonna what are we gonna do with the kind of the sexual immorality kind of aspect of it and that helps us to kind of then um see that that God's will is authoritative in every part of our life that's kind of where I was then then going with it although Mm. it is it does feel a bit random doesn't it as in like it's obviously it it must be some issue in the Thessalonian context that he's zoning in on that do you think well I just think isn't it always the issue I mean what is the thing that grabs Christians and takes them off track and shipwrecks faith most often I mean it's it's sex and money usually and the fact that the New Testament is often sex and money, I just think God knows our nature and this will be the thing that leads many Christians astray. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about repetition. My other favourite one, which is quite a distinctively Thessalonians thing, is this um, more and more mm. phrase. So verse one, we instruct and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. And then verse 10, we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. And what I love about this is it's not he's telling them off because they're not doing something, but he's saying, yeah, you you know, you're, you're going really well. You're, you're Christians who honour the Lord, but just honour the Lord even more. Yeah. And so I think often we read about sex and we go, I'm being told off. or And it, it's not really telling them off. It, they're a church that are just, you know, they're full of faith and, and love. and But wouldn't it be awful then to be shipwrecked or diverted? Just carry on. Um, don't don't let sexual immorality be the thing that that shipwrecks you. Um, mm, yeah. Continue in the way that you're doing so well already. Yeah, that's a helpful reminder because that's been the big sort of thrust all the way through, hasn't it? Ensure, assurance and encouragement. So there's no reason why that would suddenly shift at this point. Yeah, really helpful. Can you, Andrew, can you t- talk us through, so particularly thinking about the author's purpose tool, how much work do you need to do with the other tools to then be able to start to work out the purpose of why he's saying this here? Yeah, I mean, by author's purpose, it's not, all we're just saying is what, why did the Apostle Paul write this? You know, what's it for? So it's not, it isn't just a, a textbook of theology, Um he's written it for for a reason and what is that reason and it's i think in this passage it's it's pretty pretty obvious because he just says i'm praying that your love will overflow i'm praying that you'll be strengthened you'll be blameless and so if i think i wonder why he's written this i think it's pretty Mm. pretty clear He, Mm. he wants us to live a blameless holy life all the way through to the coming of the lord jesus to get to the finish line um safely so um that's why it's here. And so as I read it and understand it, if it doesn't have that effect on me, then I've misunderstood. You know, if, if this isn't somehow going to help me to keep going as a Christian till the end, I've misunderstood that. That's what it's for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess it's just asking that question of each paragraph. How is this paragraph going to help me to keep blameless and holy until the coming of Jesus? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 
That's really helpful. And it's really helpful to kind of make that connection through to our own hearts and our own living, isn't it? Because I think intenta- I, I know my own heart, my temptation is to kind of find it satisfying to use these tools and then kind of stop rather than actually really drive it to the heart and go, no, no, what 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 really is the impact for me right now and for us and our church family? And what, you know, what does it look like to wholeheartedly live this out? Um, yeah. So like as as you were in this passage or either of you, Sarah or Andrew, where did it, where is it hitting our hearts? Where did it hit your hearts? Well, I think it's interesting in a letter that, as you say, is very encouraging and the tone is very warm all the way through that verse three to eight does sound quite stern and quite frightening. Mm-hmm. This this warning about sexual immorality. And I, I actually, I can't think of another passage in the Bible where we're given so many reasons for the one instruction. So the instruction is avoid sexual immorality. And then the whole of the rest of the paragraph is reasons for it. And why do you need seven or eight reasons for this? Like he just knows that we'll be tempted to not flee from it. And so mm-hmm. it is a little bit frightening. So don't, don't be... So be holy and honourable because you're God's holy people, reason one. Don't be like the pagans who don't know God. I think the the temptation to sort of calibrate our behaviour by our society, you know, I do what is acceptable in my society. And Paul's like, that isn't a good guide because your society doesn't know God. So don't make normal for Christians what is normal for British people or American people. I mean, you know, don't calibrate by them. And verse six, that you shouldn't wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. You know, sexual sin always hurts other people. Mm-hmm. It's just about you. It's always wronging somebody. Then the Lord will punish those who sin, as I warned you. And then verse seven, God didn't call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. If you reject this, you reject God himself. I and mean, it's just this... So it's it's one of the tools is not just what is it saying, but how is it saying it? And I, at this point, he says it sternly and emphatically. And there's so many reasons because beware. Mm. Yet the context is encouragement. You know, you're doing so well. I really want you to get to to the end um, as holy and blameless before Jesus when he comes back. So don't play with this sin. It's really serious. He is a doubly underlined or seven times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, it's really helpful just to see that laid out, isn't it? And as you say, what you've just been doing there for us is just modelling, just reading it, <laughs> just reading it carefully, reading it through. That's what Dig Deeper is. It's just, it's just, <laughs> yeah, read it more. I think more I've been struck. I've been struck by yeah the more and more language, but the way all of this, um, you know, his his prayer for them to grow and be blameless and holy is very much linked to other people, how they relate to other people, um, mm. in the loving one another more and more in relation to sexual sexuality, in the relation to how they work as well. In the last few verses, like it's it's a together thing, it's a community thing. You're us striving for holiness is not done in isolation and I think that's both a really great encouragement and also kind of exhortation okay like how am I doing this with others in the mix um that's what's yeah yeah, I've been dwelling on how about you Felicity yeah I think I think that kind of and a part of that just taking a sort of a step back from that in the sense of we are under the authority of God and so we hear this command and as you're saying Andrew rather than 
calibrating ourselves according to the world around us, which I think can feel authoritative, like what the world mm. is saying, what our friends mm. are doing and what direction everyone is going. Um, but actually to remember who we are, that we are set apart as God's people. And Paul's been making such a big effort to remind the Thessalonians and persuade them that they are gospel authentic people. And this is what it is then to be those gospel authentic people. And I, th- I found that it's just a good reminder. And that's so helpful what you're saying, Andrew, just laying it out. This is something not to play with. And whether you're married or not married, wherever you are in your stage of life, this is the warning for everyone because it's a danger, mm-hmm. a danger for everyone. Yeah. And then it just becomes, I love the unexpected bit. So if you think, okay, love, what does love mean? It's a, it's, he prays they'll love each other. He tells them how to love each other. What does that mean? Well, number one, don't mistreat each other sexually. Um, number two, um, mind your own business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering about that one. <laughs> and I, I think it's in, I mean, mind your business, it's not, I think it's not about gossip, which is how we use the phrase, but it's about, um work hard don't be a sponge on other people don't be always you know basically get get a job or mm-hmm. um, yeah. be industrious so you're not just clinging on to other people that you're sort of leech for mm-hmm. um, which is what and- he's been modeling isn't it the whole way through the letter so far he's been modeling the kind of i'm working hard for you night and day working and also loving you and he's He's kind of praying for them and exhorting them to do what he's been doing for them, isn't he? Um, which I think is a helpful, helpful thing. Mm. Time's time's gone already. Um, Andrew, would you be happy to pray? Wow. For I know it's so quick, isn't it? So quick. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to pray again. I'm just going to pray what Paul prays because yeah. it starts with prayer, doesn't it? So why do I pray first? Twelve and thirteen of chapter three. Thank you. May the Lord make our love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as the Apostle Paul did for the Thessalonians. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you would strengthen our hearts, that we would be blameless and holy in the presence of you, our God and Father, when our Lord Jesus comes with all of his holy ones. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Andrew. So appreciate mm. your input. I know ah. it's, it's a starter in many ways, but it's so valuable. Um, do grab a copy of Dig Deeper. It's published by Crossway in America and IVP in um, the UK. Grab it wherever you get your books. Um, give it to others. Read it. Share mm-hmm. it. Do whatever. Better and it's better than our videos for sure. Check out way better. <laughs> and uh, Sarah and I will see you next time as we carry on in our chapter four. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. This episode has been sponsored by Crossway.